Blog Talk Radio. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Blaze and Rye Radio. Today we have a special edition with Gary Peterson, the legendary drummer from the Guess Who. Get ready to rock. Here we go. in the chat room. Chat room is live. It is open, and we are now joined by Gary Peterson. Hi, Hello, Gary. How are you? Pretty good. That good. Is, that's some uh, uh, legendary drummer bits. Me scares uh-huh. me. It scares myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I didn't mean to scare you. Yeah. It it is a big thrill for me uh to have you joining us today. Um earlier this week when I was uh explaining to some of my younger friends who was going to be on the show, uh it was a bit of a of course most uh knew exactly uh who you are, who your band is, but some of them it was like a who's on first routine where I was like the Guess Who. I'm doing a show with the Guess Who, and they would be like, uh, I don't know, Jay-Z, Eminem. And I'd be like, no, not Guess Who is going to be on it, but Guess Who. Has that happened a lot over your career, things like that? Um, not for many, many years. You know, <laughs> the, the the name can be used as a joke, as you well know. But, uh, mm-hmm. no, it's, it hasn't happened too much lately. Oh, Okay. That's good. I'm sure enough people know uh, exactly who the band is now. Um, now, originally, though, Gary, uh, you guys had a different name. I believe the first name was Al in the Silvertones. Is that right? Gosh, you've done your homework. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, then it, and then it evolved into the Guess Who. Can you tell me a little bit about how it uh, came to be what it is now? As you pointed out, the original name of the band was Alan the Silvertones, <clears throat> with the recording of our very first record called Shaken All Over. Um, it was the time of the British invasion, 1965. And um, in order to get the record played in the United States as a Canadian band, um, the record company in Canada decided to put Guess Who? question mark on the label and not put uh, the real name of the band which at that time was Chad Allen and the uh, Reflections. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they, the disc jockey started playing the record Shaken All Over. It became a hit. 
went to number 19 or 20 in Cashbox and Billboard. And this jockey started saying, and now here's Shaken All Over by the Guess Who. That was it. His trademark was there. Wow. Did you, uh, what did you think of that marketing strategy? Like, you hated it? They hated the name because it was so close to the who. I mean, you know. But at that point, yeah. it was really out of our hands, and so we just left it. And, of course, in the in the beginning, there was the inevitable. Um, and we still get it today. Somebody will come to the show and say, hey, why don't you play our favorite squeeze box? Mm-hmm. And we go, well, that's the who. So, you know, it, have you ever actually have you ever uh, like actually gone along with one of the requests and just pretended to be the Who? No, oh, but the Who did. If you look at live, at, if you look at if you look at their album Live at Leeds, they re- mm-hmm. recorded "Shaking All Over" on that album. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they got asked to play it a few times when they first came over here. Oh, I'm sure that's that's hilarious. Um, so this. Uh, uh, it's a very interesting marketing strategy that it's just, just guess who on the album cover, and then that's how the DJs uh, well, call the thing that. is that people were saying, you know, it's it's the Beatles, it's the Rolling Stones, just putting out a record like you know like that, and and so we got airplay based on you know kind of nobody knowing who it was at the time, you know. So. Uh huh. And uh, funny enough, the question mark after the Guess Who was dropped in uh, 1968. What was the thinking behind getting rid of the punctuation? Well, we could call you an Internet DJ right now, so you guys are responsible for it because it's just instead of saying, here's shaking all over uh, Guess Who, they'd say, here's shaking all over by the Guess Who. They put the distractions did that for us. So you're, you had nothing to do with that name change. That was the, the DJs changed that name. You know, it just it just became a thing, and you'd hear the the record on the air, and we said, "Well, I guess our name is the Guess Who now," <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> uh, are there any plans to add that question mark back, or perhaps even an exclamation point or a smiley face? Uh, well, we've already had a go round with Guess Jeans, so I doubt it. We've already had been in, in a legal uh, battle with them over the usage of the name. They they tried to stop us from using it, saying oh, that it dear. was infringing upon there. But we pointed out to them, said, we're not in the same business. We don't sell clothes or sunglasses other than we, we have merchandise, T-shirts, you know. And uh, besides that, our usage of the name predates yours. So we came to yeah, a, I was gonna ask you that. Yeah, we came to an amicable uh settlement that we wouldn't do this uh with sunglasses and jeans if they wouldn't put out music. And uh, <laughs> so you know. What what should have I been know done? Some... Sorry? Mm-hmm. What what should have been done is is that uh they should have got in, in bed with us as far as here's the game. Jeans, you know, it's a natural, but they never did it. So. Right? Yeah. Well, I know that some clothing companies actually do uh, 
Yeah, but this was this was kind of guess genes by the guess who is kind of like, you know, that's it's right there. You don't even have to think about it, you know. But anyway, yeah. so we we resolved to coexist in the in the uh, world of business without stepping on each other's territory. I mean, we're never going to be a threat to guess genes, and I'm sure they're not going to be a threat to us. Well, I'm glad that you, you could work that out. What about the game? Guess who the uh, the board game? Ever have any problems with that? No, I've not heard anything about that. But uh, um, you know, who, who knows? This country has got a a habit of wacky lawsuits at any given time. So um, I don't think there's any problem. We have trademarked the name, registered trademark, and and the logo and and everything. So. We're we're safe in our world and and we're not expanding into anybody else's world. So, you know. Right. Um, well, speaking about changing and expanding, uh, you guys have a, uh, a a new a bit of a new lineup now um, than uh, what it was originally. Now, there's there's two of you from the original group. Is that accurate? Yeah. Well, if you if you look at the history of the Guess Who, um, we like to we like to say it's truly the Guess Who. Because you don't know who's going to be there. Um, we we went many changes, even even in the days when we were still recording for RCA. You know, we we had guitar players change all the time. But there are still remaining 50% of the original band, which is Jim Kale on bass and myself. And I have the distinction of being the only guest who member to play on every record. And that's oh, wow. none of the others can say that. So you're like the head honcho now then, huh? No, I'm kind of like the old archivist, that's all. You know, I, I I know I've been there for pretty well most of the history of the band, so and since I didn't do drugs my brain cells are intact and I remember quite uh, <laughs> goodly the uh the things that have happened to this band because some of the stuff I read on the internet or anywhere, in fact, I just go, are you kidding me? That's <laughs> not the story. So. <laughs> well, that's impressive that you were able to stay out of the, uh, I mean, for, to be a, such a popular rock band and to stay out of the world of, of drugs. What, what's your secret there? Well, I started playing drums in 1947 when I was two years old, <laughs> and I started playing professionally in 1949. So my background is in in the old uh, tradition of show business. And um, I just never got into uh, the um, areas that went along, along, as you said, with rock and roll. And um, music was always the thing for me ever since I I had memory. And um, I have so many other highs and interests in life that uh, I didn't really see a need to have to take drugs. Right, well, that's great. That's um, yeah. I mean, I uh, get so high. I get high playing a song on stage, so there is no better. I mean, we're how, how are you going to top that? Sure. There, yeah. There's no better feeling than that sort of live uh, well, creating, you know, the, the creating a, a new song that people people. It makes people feel good, makes or at least evokes emotions from them. That's what entertaining is all about. And I'm sure if you ask, truly ask the old traditional entertainers, 
that the, the big drug is is entertaining people and making them feel happy or or emotional somehow. Oh, sure. You know, I've, I've heard you talk about that before, and I come from my background is acting, and that's that's what sort of that's oh, you, what you understand that art. Artists, yeah, you, exactly. I mean, a, a painter really doesn't get that kind of accolade instantly, whereas a person that goes on stage, live on stage, that's why live theater. So many actors love live theater because the 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 acc- accolades for your work are instant. Uh, Whereas a movie actor or, or someone that does television or a painter or somebody that creates a sculptor, they, they kind of have to wait for that, you know? Yeah, so it's definitely. Kind of instant, and it's instant gratification, which is, you know, that's like sure. if you're, the people that take needles, that's the needle. You know? <laughs> it's that live uh, connection with the audience that had, I guess, when I was 16 is when I decided I wanted to do that and it was uh it was just I, I did a play and it was just this this amazing feeling that I had by making these people's lives a little better for you know a couple hours one night and well, that's basically all from, it was from their everyday worlds you know which some can be good now let's face it all of us I mean even in a band you, you know you're, you're traveling all the time and that's a drag and you know mm-hmm. it, it's just like those happy times are when you connect on stage with the people that are coming from their lives, which have been maybe bad that day or that week or that year, you know, that's what entertainment is about. Absolutely. You know, some, somebody, uh, a very accomplished actor named Jeff Weiss, a theater actor, came in to talk to us once about how he he would never do TV or film because he loves theater because it was a living media where he could breathe the same air as his audience, and you can't get that in TV or film. And I imagine you, you get a similar feeling when you're when you're playing music. That it's that connection with the audience that keeps you going. And uh, there's no better feeling in the world like uh, than that, is there? No, and but we're we're kind of in in a twofold thing. Uh, we get both because you have the live performance, but then you have the other, which is creating in the studio which no one really sees while you're doing it, but they get to hear it after. So that's kind of like the film, you know, um, records. And and now, you know, we went through records, uh, uh, tapes and, you know, CDs, and now we're in a – the the download of of music is the new delivery system for for, uh, uh, music. So, you know, that that takes a while – or has taken a while to get out to people. We're we're dealing with the internet now, which is uh, revitalizing a lot of classic rock acts because RCA never put out all all of our albums on the different formats that we've gone through since records. But now mm-hmm. I just discovered last week that if you go on iTunes, you'll see that every one of our albums are there. Even the ones that weren't that commercially successful, but my God, there's some great music on it that even I went back and I went, we were not bad, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah, that's the great. internet is, is a wonderful thing for not only young musicians coming up, but for 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 us classic guys who have stuff out there that hasn't been heard for a long time. And and right. that's why our crowds are getting younger, because because 
we're, the young people are in the age of, of the computer, and they they can go and find all this stuff and listen to it and decide for themselves rather than letting a record company decide what they're going to put out of the bands, you know? So it's kind of so – it I, I find it very exciting right now. Well, that's great. It sounds like you are definitely more uh, pro uh, the computers and social media than some other people. I feel like some people think that um, maybe it takes away – the fact that everything is so instantly accessible and you can – uh, if you hear, uh, you know, somebody's coming out with a, a new song and it'll get leaked and you can hear it right away as opposed to uh, before when you would have to wait for a whole album to come out. Uh, do you think that it, it any day, in any way it takes away from the charm of, you know, the full album and music? Or do you think that it's mainly that this whole social media technology thing is, is more helpful than it is hurtful? I think both. <laughs> okay. okay. I think there's there's both sides of it, but... If I'm a great uh, student of history, we're not going back to the covered wagon, do you think? <laughs> no, no. So this is, we we progress constantly. And yes, um, there is a charm from that era where we used to wait for the latest Little Richard album to come out back in Winnipeg when we were just starting as kids. And yeah, it was mm. exciting, but you you can never go back you know it's what you should do is the young people should cherish that learn about it and preserve it preserve the yeah i'm not saying we can That's go good. back we can learn we can always learn if you learn from history you may not make the the uh, mistakes in the future and that goes for all areas but you know music especially we can and our arts we're not going to go back and do it that way again because the kids today, that this is their era. This is their delivery system, and they're quite happy with it. And why why wouldn't they be? I mean, the access to information is, is phenomenal. We're, as human beings, becoming, well, we always were a great computer, but uh, we're using now a lot more of our capacity as a computer. And that's that's the way I look at that. Now, not not to take away from the art, because there's room for everything in in this in all fields, you know. But you're, well, you're that's never a good way to put it. Yeah. You know, I hope yeah, we don't lose um, radio. Uh, I think that mm -hmm. internet radio people like you is very important. I mean, I just went into a radio station in Holland, Michigan, where we did a show at a an old mansion, haunted mansion outside that they're they're trying to raise money to to keep uh, up. It's right on Lake Michigan, and uh, I went into the radio station. It was an AM/FM station, and the jocks were were like operating their own uh, boards and everything, you know. And and I went in for a live, and it was just like the old days, and that was wonderful. And so right. it's good to have some of those around too, you know. Radio is very important because it lets your yeah. imagination visually imagine different things whereas the inter the the television with the MTV and 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 all that the you know all all, all the other uh channels it, it gives it takes away some of the mystique as you pointed out you know um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i you know again it's we need to coexist in all of those worlds and and uh, that's possible yeah, that's a good point that there is room for everything. Because we obviously do still have, you know, there are 
uh, definitely artists where, say, it's like when Green Day came out with the concept album with American Idiot, and then it, uh, and that was like an album, and and it wasn't just a, a couple singles here and there. It was like, uh, and and now it's a, a musical, and and that so that was a a full album that really got the treatment of that probably you know records used to get back in um, a, a while ago where it's uh, it, it has all that charm, and the charm is not gone so i think that there is still room for that but uh you know there's today's day and age like more balance the only reason that our records are 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 available on itunes right now is because um bmg sony um they didn't have to press them uh manufacture uh, jackets for the uh, albums and stock Mm -hmm. stock them in in a warehouse they're digitally available uh on the internet, otherwise you'd never you'd never have access to them anymore. Now, what I'm excited about is the fact that a lot of music that wasn't as commercial uh, commercially accepted in in an age when we were popular. I mean, uh, uh, they wanted hits. They wanted the, the, the groups were divided into AM hit making bands like us and album bands like say Led Zeppelin. Um, AM and 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 uh, AM radio and and uh, underground uh, uh, FM radio at the time, one would play the singles and one would play the albums. Now, we had a lot of albums that should have been heard on FM, but weren't because we were an AM bubblegum uh, hit machine, you know. And that's right. too bad. But now, with the new delivery on on the internet people and young people and old people will be able to go back and, you know, <laughs> for, for, you can you can sample each song on the album and see, you know, hey, am I interested in this album? Not only that, but, I mean, singles are back to 99 cents where we used to pay in our era a dollar for a single and say 3.99 or 4.99. Well, we're, we're almost back there again. That's pretty darn good in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. You know, oh, absolutely. Yeah, so um, we're not, we heard, we're not paying. If we're uh, paying twenty six six dollars for something now, it's like a CD. It's it's like fifty songs or forty songs. So, I, I think it's an exciting time in 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 one way. You know. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I listening to you talk on a different show about how um, you guys might be planning to. Uh, sort of capitalize on this new technology, social media era, and release one or two songs per month. Uh, is that um, in the yeah. in the works? <laughs> yes, we've talked about that. It's it's not quite in the works yet, but I I hope uh, between operations on uh, on on myself and 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 Jim, our older, you know, we've got parts wearing out from being on the road for forty nine years. And we have uh-huh. to repair them all the time, and also the fact that we live in in uh, in uh, three different cities on the North American continent. It's a little hard to do, but yes, our plan is. Um, Derek, our, our lead singer and 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 other lead guitar player, has written some wonderful songs that I'm very excited about. That I think fit this song, this band, um, as Guess Who songs. And that are not 
reminiscent of the old days, neither are they reminiscent of the new days. They sound to me like where this band would be playing if it was recording songs right now, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, you know? Sure. Yeah, that would be it's not wonderful we, to hear new. We didn't try to go back and sound like American Woman or No Time or, you know, and, 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 and we're not trying to sound like Green Day or somebody like that, you know. But it's mm-hmm. kind of sounds to me like where we would be today had we still been allowed to record uh, right. all the, all this time. And that's that's great for classic bands if if we get the chance. I mean, always money is, is to 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 do these projects is is uh um important. But we re recorded we did something that I've always wanted to do and I finally found somebody in the band that could sing this song. I always wanted my favorite rock and roll song of all time is by Little Richard and it's called mm-hmm. Lucille. And I think mm-hmm. if you listen to that song, that's you know how they say that's show business or that's you know, that's rock and roll. If you listen to that song, that is the essence of where rock and roll started. And so we right. recorded that, and it, it is available on iTunes as a download. So for anybody who's out there, I I suggest you check it out, because that song was from, I guess, the year 1957 or something like that. But it's That's always awesome. been... I didn't notice. It's always been a dream of mine. to. Uh, I, as a drummer, I always sat back and thought, man, would I like to have been in the studio and 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 been playing on that record with Little Richard, man. <laughs> yeah, I did notice that it is available uh, for, yeah, uh, for so, download, so that's great. It's, it, I mean, we didn't try to do it differently because mm-hmm. it's a masterpiece. It can't be done any differently or any better. So we played it just as we heard it on the record, each one of us. Right. And right. I, I was just really... I know friends of Derek, our singer, has... You know, he was in his house and he was playing it, and he and some friend of his, who's a hip, really hip musician in Toronto, a really big, big studio guy, came in to his house and said, "Man, I was just listening to that on the radio," and Derek said to him, "No, I don't, I don't think so." He said, "Oh yeah, yeah, Little Richard," uh, and so he thought that was Little Richard doing the song. So, <laughs> so that's kind of a One real, uh, real compliment. So. But it was fun, and I I hope uh, we did that in Santa Monica a couple of a couple of years ago, I guess, not a couple of summers ago, and and it was fun to do. But we did, we'd come in and try to do it in between uh, gigs on the road, and it, you know it was it was not the the most ideal thing. So, but hopefully we can we're going to get into doing some new because Derek's got some really good songs, and they they oddly enough they're they're very commercially uh, pleasing. I, I mean, I, I listen to them, I go, man, I can't get this song out of my head when I'm at home. You know, I'll be uh-huh. in the middle of the night singing this song. <laughs> That's a pretty good <laughs> test, you know. So, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I hope we get um, that. Um, that's, that's, that's the way we're, we we want to go. Sure. Uh, one of the most memorable concert moments I've ever experienced was Little Richard in uh, New Haven, Connecticut, saying, uh, how's everyone doing tonight? And everyone cheered, and he goes, shut up. And he told everyone to say, shut up. Quite well, he's like, he was, uh, you know, he became a preacher for a while, and, and he's a, 
he's one of the true wild guys of rock and roll. And if you look at the the Beatles did covers of his, and so did Buddy Holly, and uh, you know it's like uh, he because he was black. And a lot of those black artists, like I mean, you know, Little Richard uh, and and uh, even before Elvis, Little Richard and, and Chuck Berry were the heart of rock and roll. They started it, mm-hmm. but so many white artists covered their stuff and had hits with it as well. Even Elvis covered Little Richard stuff, you know. And right. That tells you what went on. I mean, he couldn't get played on white radio stations, and really, Little Little Richard was like the king of rock and roll, not Elvis. Right. Right. Um, I. Uh, what do you think has? What's the difference between this? Uh, current incarnation of the band and previous ones in terms of now you have this resurgence of, of creativity and songwriting. Um, is there a better connection, a better bond between this group than previous groups? What do you think? <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> Let's have it in, come and see the band on stage. I don't I don't mean to, to denigrate the, the old band, but we weren't friends. We really weren't friends. We tried. We were so different. Um, you know, I mean, I was, of course, when I met Randy Bachman, uh, I met him playing Little League Baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where we met. We went to school together and had our very first band together. But, you know, we were very different and yet very came from similar family backgrounds. But, but I, I don't think the group ever gelled in that way and I and I do believe that that this this band is the most musically talented a uh, player playing wise um and also connect with each other on a personal level better than any yeah. group of of musicians that I I have seen now uh, no, putting no blame on anyone, really. You know, it just just that's the way it was. It, it, right. I look, and I think of all the, the the music that we made with the guests who, uh, it's, it's it's astounding that we were able to do that um, with the way the the the, the uh, relationships were, um, and maybe maybe that's the tension that was required to, to create some of that music. I don't know. Um, yeah maybe maybe you know great things can come out of Uh, you you hit the nail on the head and I think I would say to people and I know people are disappointed that that the original band isn't together it's not possible it's just not possible (laughs) at this time Um, and and so we go out and we play uh, music that Jim and I I mean I've been on every record that we had, and Jim has right. been on, you know, say, 80, 85%. So we go out and play the music that we helped create, and we try to to, to uh, um, replicate it to the, to the letter of the record. Um, and uh, I think we, we come as close as I've seen. I've gone back and watched some of the, some of the stuff we did on Midnight Special and Don Kirshner's rock concert, and it ain't, it ain't even close <laughs> to the records. 
It ain't even close. Uh-huh. It's drug-induced uh, mumbo-jumbo, you know. Yeah, you could tell us. You could tell us the song, but oh my God, I, I listen to it. And I mean, we now in our in our show we use a computer to to mm-hmm. replicate some of the parts that we can't that were done in studio, right? And and yeah. they're not anything different. But but for instance, in these eyes, we had the the New York Philharmonic strings. And we had a guy playing flugelhorn, and we had a a guy playing vibes, and those are all on stage. You hear them all on stage now. Mm-hmm. Why not? We have the technology. So when people listen yeah. to that, they go, "Man, that sounds just like the record," and they can't tell you why. But that's why. <laughs> I mean, at the end of laughing, I played a leather chair on the out chorus as as a rhythm. Uh, riding rhythm, it's on stage with us. At the end of Share the, the Land, we had chimes. You hear the chimes at the end of the la- at the at the end of Share the Land. That's there on stage. So we've taken the time to replicate some of this stuff, so that wow. when, when people have the experience on stage, they hear what they heard on record, fairly close to what they heard on record. Yeah, that's really and, interesting, and you guys do. So uh-huh. I think people need to come out and hear this band and see how the band plays together and connects with the audience, and that'll give you an answer to how this band is as the Guess Who. Um, when you sure. Ask, you asked that question. Yeah, yeah, and you guys do have a great reputation as a, as a live band. Um Yes, and, uh, I, I was just you. looking at some of the Twitter stuff that came in from the last two shows that we played on this last weekend in Holland, uh, Michigan, or uh, Sagatuck, Michigan, and uh, where else did we play? We played in uh, oh Fort Wayne, Indiana, and mm-hmm. they're they're pretty good. I mean, the people were extremely happy. So, and of course, you know, like any act or any band. You have your good nights and you have your bad nights in your own eyes. Most nights, right. I would say almost 99% of, well, even 100%, are quite acceptable for the audience. But there's those special nights when you really hit it that that it becomes a real experience, and Fort Wayne was one of those. So That's awesome. Yeah, we're getting great ready. about you guys. Pardon? Is, uh uh, I was going to say what's great about you guys is that it's you know your audience has ranged from little kids to what 65 years old or so. So it's like a uh, you know it, uh, it, your music is very the catalog is so strong that it's you know it's like everyone knows that that opening riff to American Woman and everyone knows these songs and it's just it's such a an impressive thing that um, y- you appeal to a wide array of, of uh, ages. Yes, and thank you, Internet. <laughs> Because you know that's that's uh, part of of young people having the access to it. I mean, if 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 record companies weren't making money with our music, they wouldn't put it out, you know. And so so when that stops, we have we have a, a, a nice backlog now on the internet that people can can see. So I I think that our crowds are getting younger, <laughs> and and that's yeah. Very true, you know, and and yeah, the, the catalog. 
when you have a band that does uh, American Woman, No Time, Undone, which is almost a jazz tune, mm-hmm. These Eyes, No Sugar Tonight. I mean, that's quite a, a wide range of music. And and I invite people to, to as I said, go, go on the Internet and download those albums that you don't, you haven't heard of, like Flavors and Road Food, Rockin', right, and uh, and uh, Artificial Paradise, and you're going to see something very different from this band. You're going to go, holy cow, that doesn't even sound. Who are these guys? <laughs> it's, it's different, very different music. It's almost like um, some is jazz, there's country, there's like there's stuff that's like Frank Zappa, and there's you know. This this Billy right. Dan and, and I mean it's it's quite if you think that the if you think that the the difference there's a great difference in our music that was popular start listening to all thirteen albums and you'll see that the difference is even greater on the albums and that's because we were influenced by so many different styles and genres <laughs> of music. And we took all of that to the best of our ability and put it in our pop music, which is what people right. do. You know, you, yeah, you are what you like eat. a hybrid, right? Mm-hmm. No, you are what you eat. You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you're eating this cer- certain kind of music in your head, then you're going uh-huh. you're going to spit it out in your what you're doing, you know. Right, right. So while we're talking about your music and your live performances, do you want to uh, go ahead and set up No Sugar Tonight so our audience can hear hear you guys live? No, you want me to intro new, No Sugar Tonight? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the one off of your uh, new CD, The Guess Who in Concert. Yeah, well, No Sugar Tonight, which you're about to play, um, was put together because Randy Bachman had New Mother Nature, Burton had No Sugar Tonight, and they were so similar, we didn't know which one to put on the album. So we said, well, let's put them together in one song. And now you can listen to No Sugar Tonight, New Mother Nature. Awesome. Here they are, the guests who, with No Sugar Tonight and No Mother Nature, and we'll be right back with Gary Peterson.
I don't break a stick unless it really has a a flaw in the wood grain. So so uh, I always have plenty of sticks around. Although, as you as you mentioned, I broke I broke one about two nights ago, and I I think that's the first one all year. That's the first one you've broken. Um, all year this year, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's impressive. Um, I just so think it's, talking about it's technique, and, and I'm not a I'm not a pound. I mean, I'm not a, a heavy heavy pounder. I'm more of a I like to consider a finesse, a finesse drummer. So right, maybe right. More like the Roger Federer of of drums. I guess so. Um, so Gary, it's, uh, I've heard, um, I think I heard Don Henley once say that what motivates him to play like Hotel California for the millionth time is that reaction from the crowd when, you know, those first notes kick in. Um, what motivates you to play, uh, your big hits over and over again? I think, I think it's, uh, it's that. I think he's, he's quite right because, Music in in this world and indeed in in North America in particular, it's it's tied to our daily lives in our as we grow as a person. I mean, it marks so many special occasions in people's lives. You know, they had they got they graduated from high school. This song was out. They got they met their their future wife or husband, and this song was out. They. They got married. This song was a child born, graduation, divorce. I mean, it, it seems to be quite a bit tied tied to music. But I think further than that, you're talking about a song like Hotel California. He modestly failed to to uh, to point out what a great song it is. I mm-hmm. mean, we're, we're talking about great songs. Um, when you talk about these popular songs and why the people love them so much. And I think my take is that you get tired of playing over and over the same song, yes. But I think, for me, it goes in cycles. And, uh, you know, I'll be, we'll be playing These Eyes and I'll just be playing it as, as well as I can play it for the thousandth millionth time <laughs> and then one day I'll be doing the same thing and I'll go wow what a great song this is man let's play it you know yeah. I think uh-huh. you go in cycles of rediscovering the catalog you know sometimes you'll be in love with this part of it and then you'll 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 it'll you know you'll, you'll get enough of it and and then you'll you'll go on to a, a undone, and you'll go, man, this is, am I glad to play? Can't wait to play this song in the set, right? I think that's right. the way it goes for me. So added yeah. to the the reaction of the people, and it's it's all it's all about the reaction of of the crowd and the audience and the fans. That's what it's really about. But but more than that, it's about you discovering these songs over and over again. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Wow. It's really interesting to hear you talk about that. Um, so, Terry, you and uh, your band, the Guess Who, had the uh, you were the first Canadian band to have a number one single in the United States. Can you talk a little bit about um, how the song "American Woman" came to came to be? Well, it was 
one one night we had we had a show in uh, just outside of Toronto in a suburb, and uh, we were playing in a, a curling rink. Uh, of course, the ice wasn't in in the summertime, but uh, we had two sets that night, and uh, I, I, I remember that we had several people backstage, you know, in the dressing room in between the sets. I believe our, our producer Jack Richardson was there, and um, it was time to go back on for the second set, and we couldn't find Burton, and so we said, well, if we go on stage and start, you know, playing a little bit, just making a little noise, jamming or whatever, uh, he'll hear it and you know he'll know it's time to come. And, and get on stage. So I went on stage. I was listening to uh, Buddy Miles' uh, album at the time, and he was playing double bass drums, and I also was playing double bass drums. And so I started playing the the American Woman uh, drum figure on stage, and uh, everybody else, Jim was there and Randy was there, and they started playing whatever they started to play. And Burton came on. And he started to sing some kind of lyrics. And uh-huh. uh, the crowd went nuts. They loved it. So we, we looked at each other and said, well, I guess we have to keep that in the show every night. And we, we did it as a jam. And um, it kind of grew like the telephone game. When mm-hmm. you whisper one word and it ends, or one phrase, and it ends up being something else. That's That's how it happened. And finally, once it was ready, we went into Chicago to RCA Mid-America, Recording studio at uh, North on North Wacker Drive, and recorded American Woman. That is wow. Um, that's so it sort of came about almost accidentally, it seems. Yeah, the odd thing about that is it was our only number one hit record. It was not written by either Randy and, and Burton or Burton and Randy together. It was jammed mm-hmm. by the band. It often seems odd to me as I look back that we never went back to that formula ever again. Right. Hmm. Well, what's your view on the American woman today? Do they still come hanging around your door by chance? Well, I'm married to one, so <laughs> I can't have any so, yes, I guess. hanging around my door, nor do I want any, but, uh, um, you know... Uh, it's really not about women. It's about the it's about the country personified as a woman. And if you indeed think about, it, if you were to sail into New York Harbor this this day, what is the first thing you would see standing there as you walk as you came into the harbor on a boat? Mm-hmm. What would it be? Yes, that's your liberty, right? Which is a woman. So the song is really not about American women. It's about the country. And now you can go back and listen to the lyrics and see what we saw as a as a young Canadian band from a country that lived in the shadow of the United States, what we saw on tour as we made our way around this country between 1965 and 75. Right. That's what right. American Woman is about. It's wow. a comment on what we'd seen. Mm-hmm. Huh. So the band was uh, 
You guys were invited to perform at the White House before Prince Charles and President and Mrs. Nixon, but she requested that the band not perform American Woman. What's 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 Mrs. Nixon's problem? Too much Watergate on the brain? Well, no, she she understood that the uh, or or her her advisors in the White House understood what the song was about. It wasn't right. about American Woman. It was a political kind of a quasi political comment upon the problems that were going on. I don't need your war machines. I don't need your ghetto scenes. Colored lights can mm-hmm. hypnotize, sparkle someone else's eyes. Hello? I don't think they wanted that at the White House. You know? Yeah. And, yeah, and I hear you. So with our attitude that we really didn't write it as a political uh, axe to grind, we it just came out. And it happened to be uh, comments on what we saw going on here. And and when she mm-hmm. said, you know, they, she never said it to us personally. Of course, an aide or somebody asked us not to play it. We said, fine. I mean, you're hiring us to do this show on the lawn of the South Lawn of the White House, and we're coming here to make people happy, to entertain people. If if you'd be happier with us not playing the song. Uh, we're fine with that. You're hiring us to not do our number one record. You know, this is your party. It's your party. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so we, you know, again, we, we, we're not, we're not really a political band. Although we have, I like to call it commentary, uh, observative commentary, and and we did it, you know, coming from a different country, where. Those kind of problems did not exist at that time. You know, the right. Vietnam War wasn't at its height. You know, the uh, uh, race problems were not evident there, although we would have them later in, in our history with, with Native people. Um, these disturbed us. I mean, we, we came from our little uh, father, father knows best life in, in Winnipeg, <laughs> and all of this... Mm-hmm was going on and we wow what is this you know draft dodgers drafting and you know it, it was quite an eye-opener for us and it and indeed probably was was disturbing you know as it would be yeah. so yeah that's the story on it and at least from my point of view i believe that you know mm-hmm. and I was, wow. I was, um, you sold out you didn't play it well Again, it depends if you're using your music as a tool for uh, politics uh, or or to to make comments on that. That's one thing. But basically, we've always been entertainers trying to make people feel good or bad. I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, Gary, we are actually we play a uh, game on the show every show. Uh, it's called Hot or Hot Mess. Are you ready to play? Uh, sure, I don't know the rules. Okay. Uh, I will tell you in a second. Let's open it up. Hot or hot mess? Okay, so the rules are, uh, the first part of hot or hot mess, Gary, I am going to uh, play you a series of impressions, celebrity impressions that previous guests have done on the show. And you tell me if it's a hot impression or a hot mess of an impression. So first up is so these are Matt done by, Jordan. Are these are done by 
guys from groups that you these had are, on? These are done by other entertainers, yes. Um, so this is uh, Sass Jordan's David Coverdale impression. Tell me if it's hot or a hot mess. Here we go. Then he goes, you know, it used to be marvelous in Los Angeles. You know, now it's all full of two-bit musicians, two-bit guitar players. And he looks at Stevie and he goes, and you know, this AIDS business, he goes, these are dark days for a coxman. <laughs> How about that? I, it's very hot because I like sass. <laughs> it's incredible. You're on. Yeah, so it's hot. Okay, great. Um, let's see. And now, Leah Delaria's Ethel, Ethel Merman impression. Here we go. There's no business like show business like no business I know. There. Perfect. Chris, I played with Ethel Merman. Oh, did you? I did a show when I was a young, young boy. I, was, I did shows with uh, one show with her, yeah. That's her. That's great. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> hey, Mila. Oh, and, yeah. Great. And how about Sean Janess's Vince McMahon impression? Now, what you want to do here is you got to you want to you want to really punch this word. And <laughs> these people are very talented. <laughs> so they're all hot so far, according to you. It's too bad you don't have our singer Derek. He's he's really good at impressions. He does great Porky Pig. Oh, really? Well, that's Stas's husband, so. Right, right. Uh, okay, and lastly for the impressions, this is Jonathan DeMar's Rip Torn impression. And after that, he sort of says, he says, somebody owes me a martini, and the whole <laughs> table cracks up. He's like, somebody owes me a martini. Well, that's that? kind of not enough of him, you know what I mean? It's only one phrase <laughs> Kind of hard to adjudicate that one. It's it sounds a bit like him, but you have to have more of a, 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 a talk, a, more more words, kind of thing. Right, right. But I I admire people that can, it's funny. It's your game. I I admire people that uh, that can mimic like that. I could never do that. That's not something I could ever do. And so I admire it greatly. I, I love I love imperson, impersonations and. Uh, both, it's it's odd. Both both the uh, Burton Cummings and mm -hmm. Derek Sharp can do tremendous um, impersonations, and I think maybe oh, that's, that's so part of being a lead singer, I guess. Yes, I guess I was just going to say that. I guess there's something having to do with being a lead singer. I mean, uh, you know, I guess maybe because you're a constant showman and and entertaining. And they're, they're, they listen to. Their ears listen to uh, um, the sounds of a person's uh, voice and stuff like that, and and I think they use their voices so much that's really their instrument, you know. So the instrument right. is, is attuned to copying different styles, uh, and so I think it it comes kind of natural to them. But Derek does sure. great. I wish he was here now because he'd do Porky Pig for you. It's wonderful. <laughs> Well, he can he can call in any time and do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, have to do that. <laughs> the second part of Hot or Hot Mess, Gary, I am going to uh, tell you a list of artists, and you tell me 
if they collaborated with the Guess Who, would it be hot or a hot mess? First up is fellow Canadian Justin Bieber. That's a good one. I'm not sure that that would match well. <laughs> okay, how about uh, Lady Gaga? Oh, maybe on some of our album stuff, but certainly not on the hits. That we have. <laughs> yeah, be a mess. <laughs> it could be a hot, hot mess. That's fine. No yeah, Album-wise, album it would be interesting. <laughs> um, how about Eminem? Have, Guess who and Eminem? As long as we don't have to wear the same clothes as she wears, it, it, it might work. You don't want to wear a dress made of meat? I don't think so. Meat, 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 uh, meat clothing um, clothes? I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Guess who and Eminem? Hot or hot mess collaboration? Um... That would be a hot mess. <laughs> okay. um, how about the Guess Who and the Who? Well, the Guess Who and Who, the Who would be a great, great hot collaboration. Absolutely. Because we come from the same era. Yeah. We call, well, call ourselves the, the Guess Who Who? <laughs> I don't know. Uh-huh. Who uh-huh. guess who? How about <laughs> the guess who? Yeah, because you can have a lot of fun with that, but uh, watch what you say. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get sued by guest jeans. Um, what, <laughs> what about, uh, and, and, and lastly, just tell me, this is the last part of Hot or Hot Mess, is it hot or a hot mess that your lead singer and his wife, Sass Jordan, have the exact same hairstyle? They look like two Afghans riding in a car. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I used to have Afghan hounds, and and actually the guys used to drive up uh, from behind and, like, uh, ask to roll down the window, and then when, when they when they got up beside the, the hounds sitting in the front seat, they, they drove off pretty fast, but... I think I think Sass and and and, uh, and Derek when they walk into a room, they're a match a match made in heaven. <laughs> um, and uh, so that is hot or hot mess. Can close that up. And uh, I just wanted to uh, ask you. There's a couple questions in the chat room. Um, one of them, uh, and I think you touched on this briefly before. Uh, this comes from Canada Spaceman. What are your influences? Favorite artists? bands back then and now? Oh, my gosh. Well, if if you look you look at my music on my computer, that's a pretty good in, in, in indication. And I have from uh, Hank Williams through Mahler, through Little Richard, all the way up to uh, Michael Buble. So... It's it's mm-hmm. like all over the map. I mean, good music is good from whatever style, I guess. And I like, you know, uh, I mean, some some. I, I mean, I'm, I, I listen, as as commercial as Nickelback is, I listen to them sometimes, and I go, man, you know, this is really 
the the commercial music of today. You know, right. and and the, it's just that's just the way it is. It's uh, there's great artists in every era, and and Mm-mm. this era of the, the younger music, there there's no difference. You know, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of filler and junk, but there's a lot of great mm-hmm. stuff. However, um, it would be nice to see some of these bands who are out today get the opportunity to do the diverse kind of music that we did. Uh, right. If you go back and listen to our, like I said, listen to our albums and see uh, what kind of daring things we were doing, um, I think I think the, the, the acts today, because they're trying to sell, you know, record companies or whoever is in charge of them, they get the formula and then you have to stick to it. You know what I mean? Uh, you yeah. can't hard to step out of the out of the boundaries where we had more leeway, much more leeway in in our era. So, huh. yeah, my my answer to that question is, gosh, everything and everybody, you know. Okay. Uh huh. So, so while you're talking about to to to, oh, sorry, to, what? to tell you, I, I kind of got a brief listen to your intro music, and mm-hmm. I don't know who who was that. That was the Benjis, uh, band out of Brooklyn, New York. To my ear, they sounded like early Stones. That song. Oh yeah. Going back and listen to it now. With oh, that wow, song. yeah. Very um, raw. Very. That is. That's what I heard. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. What'd you say? That's what I heard when I just caught that. Listened to that that introduction, the best I could on the phone here. Yeah, so, uh, so that's yeah, my they, friend. there's stuff from everywhere coming from everywhere, and and don't forget all these people have listened to all the stuff that's or have listened to a great deal of the stuff that's gone on before. You know, right? Sure. Uh, that that band is actually my friend Ben Roberts's band, and he uh, they're um, you know they play shows around the city now. I love their music, very catchy stuff, and I'm sure he'll be thrilled that you uh, compared them to Early Stones. Yeah, but that's the kind of feel I got. In this. And a couple of times I went, you know, am I listening to something, the obscure cut of theirs or something? You know? Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's got that feel, that energy, and, you know. Yeah. Uh, while we're talking about today's artists, um, a whole new generation of people were introduced to um, American Woman a few years ago with the Lenny Kravitz version. What did you think of that version? Well, you know, it's very hard to take a song that's in E and never moves out of E. It's basically one chord. And I was kind of wondering what he was going to do with it, and he modulated up and down to different keys with it and added a little bit of harmony on top of it. And I, after, you know, having listened to it several times, I quite liked it, and uh, I thought he kind of brought brought it forward into the the more modern era for for kids to listen to is almost like kind of a going towards a hip hop uh, feel rhythmically and I I think it was a great job. We got to play that with him in Toronto with him and his band. Oh, did you really? Yeah, um that? we were at the the Much Music uh, uh party in Toronto and uh it opened with him on stage outside of the studio in Toronto. It was on a stage, and he started playing it with his band. And he played the mm-hmm. first verse, and then 
we did the the stage turned and there we were uh on the other stage and we were playing it we played the second verse and then we played the last part both bands together so that was fun did the crowd go crazy oh yeah they loved it yeah denzel washington was in the crowd who's a good friend of his and uh um and then uh um the the karate guy uh, or steven seagal was there and then uh-huh. there was a celebrity that went a female that went through the Anne Hayes was there as well, so yeah, it was kind of a gala event, and and it was wonderful. Yeah, the people loved it, you know, because though they were Canada, their band had uh-huh. done that first their their own homegrown group kind of thing, you know. So yeah, it was great. Yeah, that's so cool. You just mentioned my interesting. You just mentioned my favorite actor and my least favorite actor in like the same breath. <laughs> <laughs> so your favorite actor would be Denzel Washington for sure. So, oh, I would hope so. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And yeah, then yeah. your least favorite would be Steven Seagal. Exactly. <laughs> well, he's a. Yeah, it'd be a funny weird, if it were the other way around. He's an interesting, huh? weird character. So he's a little off-center. So I don't know if you ever met him, but he's he's got his own way to rock. Yeah, uh, I guess he went around like uh, as a like a real police officer and went around arresting people and stuff. I have no idea what he's done. He's doing everything. Yeah, he had a show. Uh, he has that show out, yeah. And, and uh, But, hey, you know what? Everybody to each his own, and everybody should be happy doing what they do. Yeah, yes. And I do enjoy some of his movies as well. Um, so, Gary, uh, just wanted to mention again that uh, your new CD is The Guess Who in Concert. It's available on iTunes and for download all over the web. Um, what's next? For you guys, you got shows coming up. Yeah, I'm. I'm just getting ready to leave for 11 days. We're going to play the largest Corvette show just outside of St. Louis in the world. It's the largest kind of. They have this. I guess it's uh, um, vintage Corvettes and custom Corvettes, and so we're doing that. And then we're going up to Canada to play just outside of Vancouver, which we have we've never done with this band. And then we go back into the States to play, I think, in Yakima, Washington, and then we come home. So I'll be gone about a week to 11 days. And which time I get to visit my son and his family, my grandchildren, in Vancouver. Which I'm looking forward to. It all works out, man. That's that's awesome. And... uh... Best of luck with the shows. Thank you. It's been a huge honor. I've been a fan for a long time. Thank you very much for joining our show today, Gary. Well, thank you very much. And it's again, it's the the people the people that put us on that stage are the people that bought our records and now are downloading. Um, and we thank you very much. And uh, and we're happy that we were able to uh, to give you some. Uh, Good tunes to listen to. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Gary Peterson from the Guess Who, everyone. I appreciate it, Gary. Thank you, Ryan. My pleasure. All right. Uh, Okay, so everyone, that was Gary Peterson from the legendary band, the Guess Who. Big thrill to have him on uh, Blazing Rye Radio today. Uh, 
anyone um, uh, who is still listening, well, I guess now you're listening on the podcast version because I think the live feed was cut off, uh, check out next week's show. Next Thursday we have our Rock of Ages special um, with members of the cast of the national tour of Rock of Ages, uh, which is a very popular musical. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, it's been a big honor, big thrill today. And uh, lastly... Uh, if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. Also, 